You're listening to iOS Dev Break. 15 minutes of current events, tips, and advice for iOS developers, including, but not limited to, discussions of Swift, iOS, watchOS, and tvOS. Welcome to iOS Dev Break episode 25, Code Reviews and Pomodoros. Today we're going to be talking about some productivity tips, uh, including code reviews and uh, using Pomodoros. If you haven't heard of that technique, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit today. Okay, the, uh, the first thing I'd like to talk about today is actually none of the things that I mentioned in the intro, uh, but it is a topic I've been wanting to chat about for a little bit here. And uh, it's actually a, uh, a wish list item for the App Store, and that item is the wish list. Uh, so it, it's been making me very, very sad that uh, in iOS for the last couple versions of the operating system, we've had no wish list in our app store. It just disappeared uh, a few versions back, and uh, that's it's very disappointing. So um, it's something that I, I keep thinking, boy, I wish they would add it back in, but it hasn't returned as of iOS 12, so maybe 13? I guess we'll see. Um, but uh, the good news is that there is a workaround. Uh, there may be some other ways to do this, but uh, there's uh, I found a way to manage the App Store wish list. So perhaps when I uh, find an app that I am interested in, but I don't necessarily want to purchase it right then, um, and there is no wish list anymore. So uh, there's an app that I've been using called Lookmark, and their URL is uh, lookmark.io. So you just go there for information, then they'll they'll point you back to the store. Um, but it is um, a pretty useful tool for stashing away URLs to just about anything. And the good news is that it works with the App Store uh, when you want to share a link to an app. And so uh, you basically say, okay, I'm going to share this app. And then you choose Lookmark as the, the app that you want to share it with. And so, and then it, there's a little user interface that appears that lets you stash it away. And it also stores it for you uh, and it syncs it. So you can, you'll be able to have access to it across your iPad and iPhone and so forth. But um, it works fine, but it's just a little strange, a little odd that the wish list has disappeared. Uh, maybe they figured too many people were just stashing things in the wish list and never coming back. But uh, maybe that was an opportunity that they missed to figure out how to drive people to their, their wish list to, to get them to purchase apps. And maybe we'll see that as a native functionality again in, in iOS 13, but I seriously doubt it. So we'll see. Uh, getting on to our uh, first little topic was uh, it's a productivity item. And this is about using the Pomodoro technique. And this is something that, that you can use if you uh, have trouble focusing. I have a little bit of trouble focusing at times. And uh, I found this technique to be extremely helpful. And uh, so the way that it works is, uh, well, first, uh, what I'd like to do is I'll, I'll, uh, I'm going to put a link to an article, a uh, Lifehacker article that seems like a pretty good overview of the technique. It's called Productivity 101, and it's a primer to the Pomodoro technique. And uh, it gives you some tips as to how it works, how to do it. Um, and basically, the here's a here's a basic rundown of how the Pomodoro technique works is that you uh, you have a task to be accomplished and for us as software developers 
we typically have a task, whether it's a, you know, maybe it's a task in Pivotal or Jira or one of those kinds of tools. So we know what it is that we're supposed to be working on right now. Um, and what you do is you set a timer for 25 minutes. And uh, this is sort of an optimized time window. Um, and then you'll see why, why it works out well in just a second here. But uh, so 25 minutes and then um, you work on the particular task in a focused manner until the timer rings and then uh, that and then you're done with that particular task for that time you uh, it encourages the article encourages you to put a little check check mark on a piece of paper or post a note or something like that just to see how many of those intervals you've done and we'll see why in a second here um, so once you do that then you you have a check on this in the sheet of paper and uh, what you do is after the 25 minutes is up you take a short break so you take a short break let's say five minutes. Uh, so you have 25 minutes on task and that's all you do. And then you take a short break for five minutes. And that's when you perhaps check an email or you have some other little task that you want to work on. But then once that five minutes is up, then you go back to doing the 25 minute task once again. So you get back on task for 25 more minutes and you're focused on that particular task for that short period of time. And then once it's up, you do the same thing. Check mark on the sheet of paper and then take a short break. And the other key is that every four Pomodoros, you take a longer break. And that longer break can be 15 to 30 minutes. And so uh, that's up to you how much you want to take. Um, but uh, so it's that that constant rhythm of you do four Pomodoros and it, with small breaks in between. Then once you're done with that fourth one, then you can take the longer one. Now, the, the benefits of this, I'm just speaking from my own personal uh, experience, is that it really helps me to focus for some reason. I think it's because it is just a short period of time. And uh, knowing that I can sh focus, knowing that I can focus for just a short period of time, um, it really makes it so that I can just do that and focus on that one particular task. And uh, so it breaks down the whole day and it uh, makes it a lot easier. Uh, and also, it allows you with those little mini breaks to be able to do something else briefly and then return and focus to the main task. And then when you find you get into this rhythm, it uh, ends up being very productive for your day. Uh, I don't necessarily do it every day, but I find that when I do do it, I'm way more productive when I do. So um, I hope you find this useful. Look up that article, do more research, and adapt it to your work style. And uh, it might be something that you find is, is really helpful to you in your managing your time. Um, as far as the timer's concerned, you can use an app if you want. You can even use a physical timer. They give the example of the little kitchen timers. But uh, you can use uh, an app like you can use your Apple Watch You can and have it buzz you when you're done. Uh, you can use your iOS timer on your iPhone, um, on your iPad. Uh, uh, I use a Mac app called Be Focused, and I have the free non-pro version of the app. And having just the regular version is a little annoying because it does try to upsell you to the pro version, and it does have some ads in, in the app, but you get used to it, and I haven't found it to be a problem. Uh, maybe one of these days I will upgrade since I, I do use it. Uh, I find it, it manages the intervals extremely well. It, you can set it so that it has the 25 minutes uh, for the main task and then five minutes for the breaks. I think that's by default what it does. 
but you can also customize it if you want to adjust those. And also you can adjust the, the, the long break too. So check it out. Feel free to take a look at it. It's called Be Focused and uh, they're not a sponsor. I don't get anything for, for it. So I uh, don't feel like I'm trying to push that particular uh, application. There's many uh, Pomodoro timers out there for iOS and for the Mac. So uh, just uh, I think just trying it out is probably the best thing. Maybe try it out with an iOS timer or Apple Watch first and then move on to a dedicated app to see if that's that would make sense. But uh, before we continue on, I'd like to just take a moment and talk about this episode's sponsor, Hover. As uh, iOS developers, we are always coming up with new app ideas, aren't we? But once we have an idea, how do you get the ball rolling on that idea? One great way to put a stake in the ground for your next app project is to register a domain name right away. That way you establish your idea and get it off the ground immediately. You tell the world that you're already underway on your next great app idea. In fact, when I started the app that I'm working on, that's exactly what I did. I went out and registered the the domain first just so I could make sure that it was mine from that point on. And just like you want your app to be effortless for your end users when they interact with it, the folks at Hover have made the process of registering a domain as easy as it could possibly be. I love using Hover when I get an app idea, and you're going to love using Hover too, and here's why. First of all, you can quickly and easily discover and register a domain that's perfect for your app idea. And not only can you register your typical top-level domains like .com, .net, .org, but you can also register some of the the newer, fancier ones the cool kids are using uh, today like .io and .app. In fact, they have hundreds of extensions that you can search and register for uh, literally from A to Z, from .actor to .zone. Also, uh, Hover's domain search will provide helpful suggestions to you if your first choice isn't currently available. So you'll always have some awesome options to choose from. Not only will you love Hover's search, but you will love Hover's support as well. Their support is simply amazing. They have best-in-class support for you. You can get the help when you need it and with no annoying phone trees or transfers. They'll have someone there to help you. And they have a live chat functionality with a knowledgeable staff to help you. Everyone, of course, is concerned about privacy and security. And Hover also offers free domain privacy so you can protect your contact information from hackers and spammers. So if you are ready to get that app off the ground and find your next domain name, you can also get... 10% off on your first order when you use Hover. How? Just go to hover.com forward slash iOS dev break and they will automatically take 10% off your first order at checkout when you use the promo code dev break. That's D-E-V-B-R-E-A-K. So go out there and check out Hover. Register your domain name. They are super awesome. They're very nice people, very helpful, and best of all, they are supporting iOS dev break. So check them out at hover.com forward slash iOS dev break and use that promo code dev break when you get there and you'll get that 10% off your first order. And uh, we'd like to give a big thanks to Hover for supporting this episode of iOS dev break. Okay, getting back into our uh, main topics here. Uh, the next thing that I wanted to talk about was, and this is another item that I've been backburnering for a while, um, but uh, it's something that I felt pretty strongly about, and uh, you may already be doing this, and that's if you are, that's great, and that's the subject of code reviews. And uh, this is a topic that might strike fear into many developers, um, 
mostly depending on how your experience is with code reviews in the past uh, or present. Um, many people, many developers feel like they should do them, but very often they, they don't or they shy away from it for various reasons. There are others who have uh, development organizations in which the culture fosters the process of doing code reviews, and that's awesome. Uh, now, I have something that I have to admit, and that is I used to be someone who was averse to doing code reviews. I actually hated doing them. Um, I disliked having my code reviewed, and I didn't particularly care for doing the reviews either. Um, but there were a couple of factors that actually caused that. Uh, first of all, um, I had been in former software development organizations that had in themselves baked into their culture a warped view of the purpose of a code review. Um, they felt that it was to perhaps pick apart code needlessly, to uh, gang up or to beat up on another team member, perhaps show how great of a developer they are. Uh, you know, in being able to prove how smart they are in, in, in a group setting when you're doing a code review in a group. Uh, the, these group settings in a meeting room with the code projected on a wall, it was basically, I, I kind of re referred to it as shame-based code reviews. Uh, and it was miserable, so no wonder I hated them. But then in the last couple of years, uh, a couple of the, the teams that I've been working with uh, have had a very healthy and positive view of code reviews, and, uh, and now um, I'm really enjoying it. And the purpose of the code review is not to make the person feel stupid. Um, it's not to put them down or to make yourself feel better about how great you are as, a, as an engineer. Um, but rather it's to offer advice on better code structure, better processes, better organization, better architecture, uh, offering tips on code style, um, sharing tips and tricks on the language or framework or uh, SDK nuances that we uh, may have learned over time. And so someone coming onto the team may not know those. So it's good to, to be able to share those things. Also being able to share the sort of the um, code standards as well, and uh, not this. You guys, you could enforce them through that as well. Um, and uh, what I found is that uh, tools like GitHub's uh, pull requests and comments to give feedback has been a super helpful way of doing this. Uh, and it's been been great to be able to have that kind of feedback. There's other ways too. I think uh, I don't know if Jira or uh, is it Assembla. Some of those other tools have the uh, that uh, being able to do a code review right within the uh, in a web interface, looking at the diffs, and uh, being able to give that feedback is super helpful. I can't tell you how much this has helped me, especially recently, uh, with uh, getting back into Swift and iOS, especially since I had been gone for about a year, and the last version of Swift that I worked on was Swift 2, and uh, even then it was a little spotty. So, so getting back into this was... Uh, has been super helpful to have code reviews uh, uh, to be able to get ramped up. Uh, already, uh, the team that I've been working on has been giving me uh, good ideas for better code, things I didn't think of, offered new ways that Swift handles things that I was unaware of. And uh, a lot of these things, you know, when you're away from Swift uh, or you're not in a team that is highly focused on it, uh, really, the only way to improve your own code is by 
doing research on Stack Overflow, uh, reading blog articles, we're doing WWDC videos. Uh, it can be done, but it's a it's a very time-consuming process. It just takes longer. And uh, if you have a good code review process, then you can actually drastically improve and speed up the process of learning the language, learning the platform. And uh, another aspect of this is uh, that we might interject too is uh, doing pair programming, but that's a subject of a different uh, topic for the podcast later. Um, but uh, so many of you are probably doing code reviews already. And if so, that is awesome. That's such a great thing to see. Uh, and now if you don't do code reviews or if you, in the past you haven't liked it, Maybe you can see if you could get that practice instituted in your development team or your organization, uh, maybe at a small level, maybe it's just you and another developer. Uh, maybe there's something you can, you could just, uh, sort of nudge someone on Slack and say, Hey, could you re review my code? Take a look at it. Uh, do you have any suggestions? Uh, maybe point them to a specific method in your code and say, Oh, well, you know, this part is something that I wasn't too sure of, or this is the weak point. Um, how does it look to you? Do you have any suggestions? Is there any way it could be simplified or refactored? Or maybe there's something in Swift that is, uh, or in uh, iOS itself, UIKit, maybe that, that I was unaware of, maybe a new feature that could be used. Um, so there any of if you ask those kinds of questions and come at it as a positive proactive way of trying to get code reviews established then that's a nice way sort of a grassroots way of um uh, of getting those established in your team um then as you see benefits from it then you can start spreading it out to others don't be afraid to do it it will really help you and it'll help whoever is doing the code reviews. And um, then you'll be able to review their code as well. The key is to make sure that it's not a, a toxic code review process. Um, so maybe if you have a code review process now, maybe you're in a team that does them and you can't stand it because the process is terrible, then maybe that process needs to be thrown out. Maybe it needs to be refactored. Maybe you need to take that code review process and turn it into something positive. Uh, and that's what you can do is by promoting a positive code review environment. The benefits that you'll get is that your code will be better. The code base overall of the product will be better. You'll have better communication between you and your other team members. And uh, let's face it, it makes you a little more humble. And that's a good thing. It helps you to open up to constructive comments, uh, constructive we could say criticism, sure. Um, it helps you to learn better practices, better coding practices. It helps you to stay in tune with the coding practices and coding standards within your development organization. It also helps you to be a better person as you approach doing code reviews for others the way that you would like them to be done for you. So obviously, don't be a jerk about it. Just be nice. Help. And uh, if you are, then you'll do nice code reviews for them and they'll do nice code reviews for you. And then uh, you'll be happier, they'll be happier, and then your whole team will be happier. And that's what everybody wants. So I hope this suggestion helps. Uh, yeah, I, I love code reviews now. Um, of course, the team that I'm working with works really, really well together. And by and large, it's a very positive experience. So uh, I hope this helps you. And uh, 
maybe you'll be able to love code reviews too. I learn something new every time I have a code review done on my code. So uh, hopefully it'll work for you too, individually and also for your team. Well, that's all we have time for for this episode of iOS Dev Break. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And of course, we want to thank our sponsor, Hover, again for this episode. And until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side on iOS Dev Break. Thank you for listening to iOS Dev Break with your host, Evan K. Stone. If you would like to learn more information about the podcast or read the show notes, or if you would like to hear more episodes, go to iosdevbreak.com. You can also find various other ways of supporting the show there, so we encourage you to check it out. You can also follow and tweet feedback and questions to the show on Twitter at iosdevbreak, and please spread the word. We'd really appreciate it. If you would also like to support the show in a monetary way, please go to patreon.com forward slash iosdevbreak, and there you can find out how to help us out just for a dollar a month. If you are interested in sponsoring a future episode, please send an email to sponsor at iosdevbreak.com. Thank you again for listening to iOS Dev Break, and until next week, we will catch you on the flip side. iOS Dev Break is a production of Interactive Logic. 